Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name's Kelly S., that's with an E-Y, and I'm recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So today's Friday, August 10th. Oh, wait, no, it's not. wrote that wrong. It's August 17th. We're reading from the big book, and we are on page 97, second paragraph. We seldom allow an alcoholic, and we're going to be reading through four paragraphs. Ending on page 98, there in the middle that says, Ahead of Dependence on God. And we're going to be commenting on all four paragraphs today. So, let's see, our readers are for 12 Steps, Esther F., 12 Traditions, Tenzin P., readers of the text, Katie G., Hedy R., Barbara E., and our newcomer readers is Robin S., and the second hour host, Deb W. The reference numbers for Thursday, August 16th, 2018, yesterday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11796, 11796, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11799, 11799. So our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now have Esther F. read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Esther. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther F. And next, Tenzin P. will read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. 
Um, these are the 12 traditions, the short form. There's also a long form at the back of uh, the AA Big Book. The 12 traditions um, and at the back of the OA Brown Book. <laughs> Kenzen, we can't hear you. Express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are by trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, all Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, All Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a good, abstinent day. Thank you so much, Tenzin P. So how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, uh, we're going to be resuming our study of the big book. We're on page 97. We're on the second paragraph there that says, we seldom an alcoholic um, as well. We seldom allow an alcoholic. And then we're going to read through four paragraphs, ending there in the middle of page 98 that says, um, where as long as we place dependence upon God, upon other people ahead of dependence on God, or whatever you guys know I'm talking about. So that's where we're going. And we're doing four paragraphs. We're commenting on all of them. And Miss Katie G is going to get us started. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Miss Kelly. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. 
We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for a long for long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. Will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. For the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet, we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. It is not the matter of giving that is the question, but when and how to give. That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. He clamors for this or that, clamoring, claiming he cannot master alcohol unless his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Whoa. <laughs> Katie G, so I read this every morning. This is part of my morning routine. <sighs> Talking about um, job or no job, wife or no wife. Um, yeah, when I came into the rooms, you know, I was desperate, dying, and doomed. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I had gotten pretty far in my life. I had graduated from college, and from there, my life was just tearing down to the ground. And I wanted my life to build up. I wanted to <clears throat> have a husband and babies and a house and a job and all this stuff. I wanted stuff. And I came into the rooms, and you told me that, that job or no job, husband or no husband, I can't stop eating unless I place my dependence on uh, um, if I place, unless I place my dependence on God, and the only way to do that is to chop wood, carry water, right? Like, or yeah, um, and that means getting entirely abstinent, and it means no matter what the situation. Like when I, my life was really dark. I didn't have friends. All I had was program. I didn't have a family that I knew how to relate to. I had a job I kept getting fired from. And y'all kept telling me I had to put my program, this program of recovery, and God first, and then the rest will follow. And this is such an important lesson for me to continue to learn, job or no job, wife or no wife. I'm not going to stop eating if I place my dependence on other people. If I say, okay, well, I'm going to be happy today if husband does that. I'm going to be happy today if I move to what I've heard called someday I'll. Someday I'll be happy when the body looks like this. Someday I'll be happy when I have this. Someday I'll be happy when this crisis is over. You know, it means that as a recovered woman, the things that I've walked through, you know, two years ago, watching um, tragically as I, as I went through medical procedure after medical procedure to try and get my body to do something that had been starved in its ability to do, and I was, I was devastated, and y'all kept saying to me, job or no job, wife or no wife, Katie, you got to depend on God. Because here's the thing, life is in session today, and I know I'm not talking necessarily 
talking about sponsorship. I'm talking about me, but this is what is relevant today. Life is in session. It's going to be hard, right? And I'm going to get older no matter what happens. But I have this relationship with God that gets cultivated through entire abstinence and the 12 steps. And I've got to pass that along. And I have to pass that along to others as a sponsor and as a, as a friend and fellowship that, that I've got to place God first. And it means that things are going to be uncomfortable, but when I, I'll just close with this, Kelly, when I practice the willingness to bear discomfort and for things to not look the way I need them to, to be okay, that's where God enters in. And that's the hope that we have to pass along. So I'm just going to keep showing up one more day. What a privilege to be with all of you this blessed Friday morning. With that, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Katie G. Appreciate you. Um, so we read four paragraphs, and we're sharing on all four paragraphs. So one at a time, who wants to share? Harlan G. This is Larry K. Kim. Lauren. Craig, yeah. Julie, Craig. Lauren. Madam. Okay, I got you, Matt. So here's who I have so far. Harlan G., Kim G., Larry K., Matt M., Julie R., Craig F., Lauren N. Did I miss anybody? Reva P. Reva P. All right. Well, let's stop there because that's a great lineup. So if you guys are all pre, please press star one to remute your phone so we can have a nice quiet meeting and we'll get started. So we're going to start with Harlan G. followed by Kim G. Good morning, Harlan. How hot? Good. How hot is it there? It's going to be about 109 today, and uh, it's, oh. it's, it's a little chilly, so we're going to be in jackets today. But yeah. uh, the Cubs cool. won yesterday, so that cools everybody down. Kelly, thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. I came into these rooms in 1979. I was 24 years old. I was about 500 pounds. I had come in here, and I was a mess. I was bankrupt emotionally. I was bankrupt financially. And were it not for the wonder, wonderful friends that I have, I would have been homeless. My mother had died when I was 22. My dad had just died when I was 24. I came in here a liar, a thief, a manipulator, um, I came in here as everything I detested in a human being. They dangled a recovery in front of me, and I wanted to go quid pro quo with God and say, you get me a girl, 500 pounds. You get me a girl. You get me a Cadillac. You get me money. You get me a good job. You get me whatever, and then I'll do the program. I was going to make deals with God. And God just sat there and laughed and said, no deal, no deal. There's a word that I used yesterday, and I'm going to use it again today, and it is a word that is all through everything we have read this morning. And that word is priority, priority. No matter what the situation I went and got my Almond Joy bars, my Oreos, and my Kit Kats. No matter what the situation today, 
I have to make OA and the steps and service the number one priority of my life without exception. There are many areas of my life today in recovery that are not what I signed up for. Tough luck. I have to do service today or I'm going to eat compulsively. I love the, I love the short sentences. But I love the sentence on page 88. It works. It really does. And I love this sentence. Nonsense. Narishkite in Yiddish. Narishkite. Nonsense. Job or no job. This or that. I will not recover unless I place dependence on God before dependence upon other people. It's not going to happen. This has to be job one. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Harlan. With time on the clock, appreciate you. So, Kim G is up next, by, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I love these couple sentences. It's not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God's. You know, that really confused me when I first read it because I was taught, you know, step 12 is service. What do you mean? I'm supposed to be doing service in step 12. And what I learned through, through these chapters is that my job is to get someone to a higher power, not to be their higher power. And that's what they're meaning. I always think of this story from when I was a kid. When I, when I got my driver's license at 17, after a couple of months, I was working in a mall, and I walked out to my car, and I had a flat tire. And I called my father, and he came over, and I'm in my little, this is 1980s, my little gunny sack dress, and it's pouring rain out. And what my dad did is he held an umbrella above my head as he made me change the tire. And people who were walking out of the mall, my coworkers, were laughing at me, and I was so angry at him. And when we got home and I was yelling at him, and how could you humiliate me? How could you do that to me? And my Marine father just sat there, and at the end of it, his constant head was side and goes, Kim, my job as a father is to become unnecessary. And I, that was such a valuable lesson to me, and that's what I feel my job is as a sponsor. My job as a sponsor is to become unnecessary. You know, I think of Bill and Ebby. You know, Ebby brings this message to Bill in December 1934. Bill goes out to Akron, Ohio in May. And over that summer, him and Bob start to begin this beautiful fellowship we're in. But in the midst of that, he gets a, a telegram from Lois letting him know that Ebby drank. Now, if Ebby had taught Bill that his sobriety was based on Ebby, we would not be on the line today. But gratefully, Eddie taught Bill that his sobriety was based on a relationship with a higher power. And I'm just going to end with this additional line. When it says, the men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. And we are a fellowship of mostly women. So when I work with a woman, I think to myself, this is what a woman always says to me. Like kids in my family, they have to come first. And that is what we're up against. I need to put this recovery first because everything else goes away. The summertime I find very frustrating. My friend Maria puts it beautifully. During the summer, people have a beer in one hand and a hot dog in the other at a barbecue. There's no room to hold the big book. Because we're everyone in September, I'm sure we'll get a flurry of phone calls once the kids are back to school. 
If you're going to recover, you have to put your recovery first. But let me tell you, when you do that, everything else in life becomes easier, more grounded, and more beautiful. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Next up is Larry Kay, followed by Matt M. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Thank you for your service. You know, it is, yes, it's it's true that, that little charity is needed or, wa- or warranted. When a person is truly desperate, you know, nothing more than this instruction manual that we have, maybe some guidance along the way, some encouragement to trust the process. That's all that's needed to get well. And conversely, when a man and woman is not desperate, I can offer them every bit of charitable comfort, every bit of encouragement, hours of instruction, and you know what? They're not going to get well. I love the person who first introduced me on this line to to a metaphor of the two single file lines in this program, right? You can only get in two lines. The first line leads to the door marked disease. And that line, uh, unfortunately, it's it's a long line. It winds around the building. It extends out several blocks. And there's a, a steady stream of people moving through the doorway of disease. And sometimes there there's lots of seeming charity and emotional support beyond beyond that door. Now there's a much shorter line leading to the other doorway marked recovery. And in fact, uh, that line is so short, you might draw the conclusion that there's nothing, you know, so exciting, you know, behind that door. And yet those few people are getting well. And by the way, you, you won't find much comfort as you initially proceed through that door, only eventual freedom, but not, not at first. Now, here's what, what I've learned about that as my teacher says, you know, about the two lines. You know, there's no organizers. There's no organizers who determine who gets to, who, who, who steers you towards line number one or single file line number two. You know who decides? You do. And if you get behind line number one, the door marked disease, you may feel comforted that it appears to be the popular way to go. That's where all the popular kids are. In fact, I bet there's some goodies behind that door. It's, you follow the herd mentality behind, you know, in, in that line. After all, only the desperate few seem to be lining up at door, the door mark recovery. And it seems like such a sad little line because they're crawling on their hands and knees through those Dutch doors, right? And they're, they almost look pathetic. Where's their pride? Where's their self-will to, to, to pick themselves up by their bootstraps? See, I'm glad we can, you know, I can get in the less popular line. I can make the less popular choice and get in the shorter line towards freedom. I don't need charity. I just crawl through that line and see what happens. Trust the process. With that, I'll I'll pass. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you, Larry Kay, for your share. Next up is Matt M. And Julie's not going to be able to share. I got a text from her. So we'll take it to yeah. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt Evan, compulsive over here from New Jersey. Yeah, I was one of those people um, that thought I couldn't recover if I didn't have a place to stay. I had a close friend of mine who took me into her home. She was introduced to OA by me, and she got recovered, and I didn't. And I, she, I was living in her house, which was a clean home, and I was able to stay abstinent. So basically... I started stealing food from her fridge. I started taking things that weren't mine. 
And eventually, within a year's time, she asked him to leave because that was too much. And when I'm in the disease, I become way too much to handle. I'm selfish, egotistical, self-centered. It's all about me. Nothing else matters. I'm only worried about what I can get out of you, what I can get out of others. And so my generous friend had to let me go, like it says in the big book, the guy from Canada. <clears throat> and um, I'm grateful that she did do that because I need to get I need to get knocked on my butt for me to be able to start working this program finally. It took me almost a year and a half later to finally start working it, but I realized because I thought that if I didn't have a place to stay, I couldn't get abstinent. And um, that's not true. Um, I'm abstinent by the grace of my higher power today. And I'm working on my fourth step right now, but I'm grateful that I don't have to worry about not having a roof over my head because I'm taking care of that. As long as I work on my recovery and deal with this demon every day, I'll definitely have a roof over my head as long as I keep paying my rent and taking the next, doing the next right thing. So I'm grateful that, you know, she did kick me out because I don't have to worry about um, making, going through that process anymore. I'm doing this on my own. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing this without the aid of someone else. I have a sponsor I'm working with, and he's helping me, but I'm, I'm surrendering to this process of a higher with my higher powers help. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you for your share, Matt M. Next up, we're going to have Craig F. and Lauren N. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Good. Good. Um, many, many years ago, I went to a... Uh, uh, retreat and they did a sketch uh, about par- part of this uh, thing and what they did was they had a whole group of people one at a time stand up and say something like uh, a woman would stand up and say I-, I can't stay abstinent because I have kids and I have to have snacks around for those kids and the next woman stood up and said I can't stay abstinent because I don't have kids and it makes me sad and I want kids. And then somebody would stand up and say, I can't uh, um, stay abstinent because of the stress of my job. And the next person stood up and said, I can't stay abstinent because uh, I don't have a job and it, and it causes me stress. And, and, and you get the point, uh, just point and counterpoint down the line, uh, you know, excuse after excuse. And uh, and the whole point of that skit and the whole point, I think, of this is that um, we we stay abstinent based on our surrender and acceptance. We stay abstinent based on, on our willingness to follow certain spiritual principles. Um, I, I want to uh, skip ahead real quick and read a paragraph from page 127 that says, although financial recovery is on the way for many of us, we found we could not place money first. For us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress. It never proceeded. And, you know, one of the principles uh, that I think is uh, true is that I I wasted uh, a lot of um myself in the insanity of the disease not just money on food but in the insanity of the disease uh you know where i i wasn't producing like i could i wasn't uh living uh my life with my priorities in order and and it and it cre- i created so much havoc that uh, nothing and then that havoc created the stress that uh that 
I apparently crave, but that also uh, fed the disease. And so the disease fed feeds the disease, but recovery feeds re- recovery. When we've accepted and surrendered and uh, gotten desperate enough to say, I, I, I have to have this thing. I, I must have this thing too. Um, so anyway, I, I think with that, I'm going to pass, not use up my whole time. Thank you. Wow, everybody's doing so great with their time. Okay, so thank you, Craig F. Uh, next up is Lauren N., followed by Reva P. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Kelly. Can you hear me? Kelly, can you hear me? This is yes, Lauren N. Yes, Lauren. Oh, thank you. Sorry, Lauren. That's okay. Good morning, everyone. This is Lauren N., compulsive overeater sugar addict from New York. Wow. What is this? You know, I have learned through the help and, and um, work that I've done in this program how to grow up, how to become an adult. I never thought. About anybody else before this program, I always only thought about myself. I mean, that's not 100% true, but basically, I was all in myself. And thank God today I get to work this program every minute of the day and remember that this is not only about me, that I get to give back. And when I give back, I get more than I give. I hear myself talk to my sponsees and to others in the rooms, and I realize that what I'm saying is something I need to hear. I've never been put up in someone else's house, but boy, have I taken advantage of family and expected my family to come through in a way that I, and and support me in a way that I, that was very selfish. And today I'm learning how to support myself and to stand on my own two feet and do my own work today in my, with myself. And to be a grown-up. It sucks sometimes being a grown-up, but it's wonderful at the same time. So thank you all for being there and for repeating what I need to hear every morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for your share, Lauren. And and next up is Reva P. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. The two things that um, struck me this morning about what we read was, first of all, the word discernment and knowing when and how to give. And unless I'm working the steps and constantly in 
steps 10, 11, and 12, I don't know when and how to give because I give the way I think I need to give, the way I think other people need to be given. Um, and this, um, by doing the step work, I, I, get, I get discernment. Um, and God shows me who, when, how to give, um, which is such a nicer way to live. The main thing that struck me is that last line, job or no job. Um, and you know, it's so easy to say that I depend on my higher power but what happens and people don't follow my script and circumstances are not what I wanted them to be, that's when I really see who and what am I depending on. And it's only by doing the work and looking at my selfishness in step 10 and how I want what I want and I want you to do what I want and I want life to go my way that I realize I have scripts when I don't even think I have a script. Um, and then I get to um, you know, go get access to my higher power and deepen and constantly deepen and deepen again my level of trust that even if such and such isn't the way I want, even in this situation, God is there and I am taken care of and I am safe and protected, and I am getting such lessons um, to grow spiritually um, and to realize I still depend on things being the way I want for my serenity, um, and that's not how this works, because I certainly ate and binged when things were good and when things were bad, just like in the stories and more about alcoholism. So it's the opposite way too, whether I'm on vacation or in the hospital or people are doing what I want, or my body's doing what I want. Um, God is not abandoning me. It's me who abandons God and stamps my feet and says, well, if I don't get this, then forget it. But that's not how it works. Um, so I'm so grateful. 10, 11, 12, 10, 11, 12, keep me on the beam and remind me where I really get my um, strength and um, serenity from. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. <clears throat> so here's where we're at. Uh, well, that's a good question. Here we are. We are on page 97, second paragraph. We seldom allow an alcoholic. We read through four paragraphs ending with a head of dependence on God, and we're commenting on all four paragraphs. So one at a time, who would like to share? Jackie Nancy P. R. Nancy Barbara P. J.R. Barbara. I only heard Nancy P. <clears throat> Nancy R. Barbara R. E. Barbara, gotcha. P. P. B. Okay. Leia M. Leia M. Here's who I have if you were in that jumbled mess and I didn't hear you. Nancy P. Nessa R. Barbara E. Pete B. Leia M. Did I miss anybody? Lisa J.R. Lisa J.R. Is that it? All right. Well, that seems like a good lineup to me. So everybody press star one to mute your phone so we can have a quiet meeting. We'll get started with Nancy P. followed by Nessa R. Good morning, Nancy. Hi. Can I be heard? You sure can. Great. 
Uh, good morning, everybody, and um, thank you, everyone, for your service. So um, I have a long time in this program. I joined in 1971, and um, I have had ample opportunity, ample opportunity to get this message. And I did not get this message until December 1st of 2017. And, um, you know, all in my life, I would have, you know, I, I um, would follow some uh, you know, food plan, I would be abstinent, I would be, you know, not working the steps, but I would think that I was working the steps or, you know, saying, well, good thing I don't have to work those steps, especially with regards to the fourth step. I used to think that. Can you imagine having to write all that down? I'd never stop writing. And um, I found that, um, you know, by putting one foot in front of the other, my journey got me to be where I am. And, you know, life happened to me and I had you know, like, you know, Craig was sharing, I couldn't stay absent because of this, or I couldn't stay absent because of that. It's often the same thing and different sides of the same coin. And, um, you know, I finally, the thing that brought me, the thing that made me make that phone call and um, by the grace of God was introduced to a vision for you, that problem is not getting any better. And um, yet, I, today I have a life second to none. I, you know, I have put this program first and um, I have let the other chips fall where they may. And um, I can say that, you know, once I flung myself off that cliff into the void and trusted that I was going to be okay, as long as I follow these few simple rules, um, that has been paid back to me. Everybody, what everybody said, you know, it doesn't, my 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 not success but my serenity in in the midst of my life right now is predicated on working the steps not on controlling the things around me and um you know i've been um carried along by my higher power and and when i trust that other people in my life are going to help me um they help me and um you know i finally have been able to separate myself from the circumstances in that I say, well, I can't make it. I can't do this this particular night because I have to go to my meeting. And, you know, nobody died. And nobody said, what? Nobody said anything about it. And everybody in my life has accommodated me from professional, you know, caregivers to my insurance company, everybody, because I don't try to game anybody. I tell the truth like I've been taught. And, um, you know, I, I have to say that um, my life is not sometimes not easy, but it's far better than it would be if I was trying to do everything myself and trying to put my priorities other than the way that they need to be for me as a compulsive overeater. And, um, time. you know, I'm just ever so grateful. So thank you all so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy Pete. <clears throat> Sorry. Nessa R., you're up next, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in, um, in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, these paragraphs, especially the last one, shows me that um, I cannot place my well-being um, at the mercy of the weather um, because when the weather changes, then my well-being will change. And here, the weather is a uh, metaphor for circumstances in my life. You know, 
having money, having kids, not having kids, having, you know, a husband, you know, having a good boss, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, when those things um, change or materialize or don't materialize, you know, my, um, my, my well-being is going to be going up and down, up and down like a, like a roller coaster. And that's not what it's all about. You know, um, when I came into program about um, 15 years ago, um, somebody told me that I had to put program first. And I thought, are you crazy? You know, like my children come first. Of course, like there's nothing that's ever going to come first before my children. What I didn't realize is that I wasn't really putting my children first. I was putting me first, or rather I was putting my disease first. Because when I was with my children, I wasn't really with my children. I was with their snacks and with their nosh because I was much more focused on all that stuff than, um, than I was on them. And so I was just fooling myself. I was just fooling myself. And, um, you know, um, I stayed in program, but because of my attitude, I really didn't accomplish very much. And then nine years later, somebody told me, when you program first, everything becomes first rate. And that's indeed what has happened. You know, now I'm focused on program, and yet my family life, my relationship, my children, with my husband and everything um, has never been better. And it's not dependent upon circumstances because, you know what, like life happens. Um, Loved ones move move away. Loved ones die. People lose their job. Um, You know, sometimes people lose everything. Uh, sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days, sometimes we have bad weeks or bad months or bad years, and so what? You know, am I, is my recovery going to go out the window when things don't go my way? Um, I learned from a very dear friend in program that people don't learn anything on a good day, you know, and maybe we only have good days, but uh, people, people grow through hardship, Uh, When everything is going my way, I don't have to change what I do. I don't have to change the way I think. I don't have to change anything. But when things don't go my way, when I face challenges, that's when I grow because I have to find new ways of approaching things, better ways of doing things. And definitely this program, entire abstinence, uh, uh, coupled with the 12 steps according to, to the big book is definitely a better way uh, of doing things because you bring you close to God and hey, God is always there regardless of what the weather is like. And uh, with that, right. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Next up, Barbara E. followed by Pete B. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Oh, wonderful. I'll start my timer. Oh, wow, so much to talk about in this. Uh, They say there are no atheists in foxholes. Whenever I really wanted something, I always tried to bargain with God. If you do this, if you do that, then I will do this. That never worked. And also, I know as a parent of two children, my job was to become irrelevant, to get them to stand on their own to make their own decisions. And it's the same thing with the program for me. It was vital for me to concede that I was an alcoholic or food addict of the worst variety. I had to completely admit defeat and surrender. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be in control. But I had to have hope of success. When I stumbled in 20 years ago, I was hopeless 
because I'd never been able to stay sober on my own. And I had to give up and give in. And the decision to go with the, on with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous asked us to step out on faith. And I heard, fake it till you make it. Well, I'm very good at faking things. I've been faking things all my life. So I left that as my mantra. And I definitely put my faith in my sponsor and in the fellowship and in the tools. And yes, I did manage to get abstinent. It's a miracle. But I was not happy, joyous, and free, not even remotely. And if I have time before my timer goes off, on Wednesday, I had a car accident. Yet another. No one was hurt. I misjudged how close I could get to a pickup truck. And uh, we kissed. Did some damage. Police report had to be reported. Okay. I was calm, cool, collected, serene. I didn't rush to the food. I just went about my business. And I owe this to OA and to you. That never would have happened before. I am so grateful that now I'm not faking it till I make it. I'm believing it. Thank you, and I pass, too. Thank you so much, Barbara E. Next up is Pete B., followed by Leah M. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, moderator. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Thank you. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. Really great meeting this morning. You did a great job with the uh, your, as a moderator. Really appreciate your efforts. And uh, the minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. You know, um, I often hear how you know. Let me run and check this with my sponsor. Let me let me make sure that I check in with my sponsor. Let me, you know, we we. We have to be very careful that we're not putting this service work and allowing the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater to depend upon us. You know, early on, you know, when I entered the 12-step recovery program, I would call my sponsor with a problem, you know, and, you know, they, they never solved one problem of mine. They never solved, you know, maybe I got a bad sponsor, I have to get a different one, I don't know, but you know what my sponsor would say? I'd say, here's, here's my problem, and he'd say, well, let's see what the big book says about that problem. And they would take me, they would take me to the book and I would find the answer and it would help me solve my own problem. You know, they didn't, they didn't become the, 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 the person that I relied upon for the solution. The big book became this, the, the, what, I, what I went to for the problem. You know, I can't, I can't allow at, at any point in time, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous, not the first group of individuals that came together to address, you know, compulsive behaviors, alcoholism, compulsive overeating. You know, there was the Oxfords and before the Oxfords, there was the Washingtonians, right? Like this problem has been a problem ever since grapes went bad. And, you know, those, 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 those groups perished, right? I, I don't can't remember the last time I heard about an Oxford meeting or, uh, you know, getting together with a group of Washingtonians like the. Those were, those were groups of individuals and they perished, right? And Overeaters Anonymous, like it or not, that could perish. 
And if it does, I still have, I still have the disease of compulsive overeating. I still need to be recovered. And I still must depend upon God more than I depend upon people. And I can't allow as an individual to, uh, I can't let somebody that I'm, that I'm working with, let me become their source, their solution. You know, anytime somebody, anytime I would go to my sponsor and ask him what I should do in a certain situation, they say, it would say, well, what would you God have you do? I'm not saying, I'm asking you for direction. Tell me what to do. They say, well, what would your God have you do? And, you know, by, by trial and error, by forming that dependence, like, you know, it's unquestionable to me. Like my recovery, the source of my recovery is the God of my understanding. Right. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with letting folks know if you have this condition, if you have this hopeless, helpless, fatal condition. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Pete B. Next up is Leah M. followed by Lisa J.R. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thanks for your service. You know, I'm so grateful for this program of recovery, um, you know, certainly for the individual steps, you know, that have allowed me to develop over time and have my own personal relationship with God. I'm also grateful for just the maturity that, you know, perhaps I've gained over the decades of working with other people um, and that this message that we're reading today, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God, has become, you know, over time, uh, you know, greater and more fuller in focus, that, that this is the goal, the aim, the objective when working with another person so that um, I recede and just certainly try to guide through the book so that this individual that I'm working with has their own unique individual spiritual awakening and relationship with a power greater than themselves. Lack of power is my dilemma. Lack of power is dilemma. the dilemma of anyone I'm working with. So I just love this message that we're reading today. There's not a spiritual part of the program. It, the entire program of recovery is spiritual. So my job personally, individually, um, is to cooperate with the will of God, and that's the underlying message that I try to convey in my working with other people. How do we get to a life lived on a spiritual plane? Because if God could solve my compulsive overeating, then God can solve all my problems. Because all my problems are spiritual problems. God either is or he isn't. What is my choice to be? And that's a question I have to ask myself many, many, many times of day, you know, with all kinds of situations going on. You know, some people might call it a three-ring circus. I call it the Marcus family. Um, all kinds of situations, circumstances, people, places, things happening. The bottom line is I don't have the answers. What does God want of me? Now, it's true the program of recovery has enabled me to be the wife, the mother, the sister, the daughter, the community member that I am today, and I'm grateful for that. But, but I better be standing on firm ground of where that strength and capability comes from. It comes directly and actively from my relationship with God. 
God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Do I want him enough? Is he my focus? Am I cleaving to him? Am I seeking him? So, you know, in my work with other people, that's got to be the focus. How do I get them to that spot? And the program of recovery leads the way. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leigh M., for that share. Next up is Lisa J.R. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everybody. This is Lisa J.R. from Baltimore, Maryland, gratefully recovered just for today. Um, Job or no job? Wow. I came into program, and I had every kind of kooky excuse, um, you know, from I'm so busy, I can't follow a food plan, I work all the time, I have wonky hours to my hair hurts, I can't do it. You know, that was ridiculous. So I came into vision finally after about a year and a half of languishing in other rooms of OA. And I wanted what you guys had. I heard stability. I heard wisdom. I heard just plain old common sense. And I I often, you know, have to encourage myself by picking up this book and, and reading You know, when I start falling into a pity party, you know, I get to read, you know, like on page 450, 451, no matter what happened or didn't happen, I couldn't drink. In fact, none of these things that I was going through had anything to do with my sobriety. The tides of life flow endlessly for better or worse, both good and bad, and I cannot allow my sobriety to become dependent on these ups and downs of living. Sobriety must have a life of its own. So when I got in here, I had to put my head down and my ass up and plow forward and do what you guys did. My higher power brilliantly gave me um, my recovery a 24-hour shelf life. Um, Every day I have to get up and do this thing because if I don't, Um, I'll fall right back away from him into self-will and, you know, block that uh, conduit, that flow of his spirit into my life. And I am so grateful to all of you for keeping me sober one day at a time. Thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa J.R. I have time for one burning chair for about two minutes. Anybody? Marcella what? M. Marcella, go ahead. Two this is Elise. I already have Marcella, so let's go, Marcella. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered composer. Really, thank you so much. What a wonderful meeting. Listen, I used to, I always had a close relationship with the God of my understanding, um, but that alone, on its own, was not enough for me to recover from compulsive overeating. I used to believe in God, but I didn't believe in people. What a vision for you has given me is people, people, and, and, and my connection to people. It always it always gets me really hard when we hit a vision for you at the last page, not the beginning of a vision for you, when it says, am I going to be boring with my lunchbox wherever I go, being a measuring? Is there a substitute? It always gets me every single time I say, yes. The substitute is the fellowship. That always gets me. I can't do it alone. Of course I can do it without God. That goes without saying for a religious person like I am. But I cannot do it without people.
people. That has been a major revelation in my life. I need my sponsors. I need a vision for you. I need you all. Thank you so much. With that, I'll pass. Well, perfect timing, and what a powerful meeting. Um, great paragraph. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So the share ID for today's meeting, Friday, August 17th, is 11802. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Hoodie R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Thank you so much, Kelly, and for such a wonderful, powerful meeting. My name is Hoodie R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your full sin Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.